0: As a team leader, I face new challenges every day. Fortunately, I found Teams Global. Their e-learning platform makes it easy to take hyper-relevant courses like giving and receiving feedback, ownership to action, and managing virtual teams. Teams Global allows me to learn on my schedule and at a price I can afford. Check out Teams Global today at global.com and become the leader that your team needs you to be. Teams Global has a special gift for you, the listeners of the Building Teams podcast. Use the code PODCAST10, that's podcast A S T one zero when checking out for any Teams Global course for a 10% discount on your order. Sign up for a course today. Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co, where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co.
1: Hey everybody, welcome in to this week's edition of Building Teams with Teams & Co. I'm your host Mike Vagalis with my amazing co-host Tracy Eames. So excited to welcome in today the co-founder and CEO of Abler, John Samuel. Uh, John, man, it has been so fun getting to know you over the past few years and I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on this
2: podcast. Welcome in. How are you doing on this on this wonderful Friday? Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much Mike and Tracy for having me here today. I'm super excited.
3: Now, this is great. Actually, Mike introduced me to John, I think, last year. So uh, this is coming full yeah. circle on this conversation. Um, John, it's great to have you. Uh, maybe we'll just kick off like we always do with all of our guests, just to get you to give a little bit of background on what Abler is, uh, you know, the mission of the organization. So our, our listeners have a little more context for your work.
2: Yeah. So at Abler, our whole mission is removing the barriers that have hindered people with disabilities from all aspects of life. And we're doing that through eliminating the digital divide, changing the mindsets of people and organizations, and creating pathways for employment. And this mission is very personal because I am blind myself. And it's something that I hid for many years. And, and I realized that once I was able to really embrace my disability, I was able to really uh, achieve, like, be my whole self and bring that to the the workplace, and and that really helped me achieve my goals. And it's it's been a uh, it's been really enlightening. And uh, I want to make sure that other people feel that same comfort and uh, can achieve their goals too.
3: That that's awesome, John. And uh, you know, I I was just really you know uh, inspired by your personal story and journey. But you know, as you talk about those three mission points in terms of the organization. Uh, you know, it's a it's a big concept to say removing digital barriers. So, like, what's what are some examples of kind of the work that you and your team do to to achieve that mission?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, eliminating the digital divide. Yeah, it's such a broad <laughs> thing, but you know, when you really think about it, the action we're doing is making sure that digital content is actually accessible for all people, including people who use assistive technologies, and so. For those of you who don't know what assistive technology, it's the different types of tools that individuals with disabilities use to be able to access their computers and, and and cell phones. So for instance, I, as someone who's blind, who can't see the computer screen, you know, I can't use a mouse and click and point. What I have to do is use a keyboard. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is I'm listening to an audio description of what's going on. So I have to hear it. But if the code on a of a website or any application isn't uh, written in a way that it can be read properly, then I'm left out of it. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that programs, applications, documentation are all written in a way that is in guide, just best practice is actually like well-written code that can be then used by our assistive technologies. And so what we do is actually use people, native users of assistive technologies to actually do the auditing and assessments to make sure that it's, it is
3: accessible. That's awesome. Yeah. and I think that a lot of us don't realize the the full breadth of assistive technologies. And I'll, I'll just use a really, a really pertinent example from this morning, right? We use, uh, we use <laughs> a platform for our podcast and uh, John was really kind enough to kind of explain to us the process um, and how he gets into the system, right? And so I think, John, for folks who are not used to kind of understanding how these technologies work, my, my very basic understanding, and you can please correct me if I'm wrong, is you have a system that kind of explains to you what's on the screen and, and helps you navigate through those buttons and through that flow. What are kind of some of the pain points that might come up for, for somebody who's using an assistive technology? Like if something isn't coded well, what does that, yeah. what does that feel like in terms of the user experience?
2: Yeah. So for, for instance, today, as we were trying to get onto this platform, there was a field that had to fill my name. That was written well. I, I, I knew oh, that that is instructing me to fill my name, but then there was actually a button on the screen that wasn't actually coded for me. So when I was going through the screen using my arrows on the and tab on the keyboard, nothing was reading to me it's saying enter studio, enter studio. Hmm. And so I actually had to click on additional buttons to get to another screen where Enter Studio was actually coded. And so our appointment was like me like at 1030 and I got on at 1038 or, or later. And, and that kind of frustration of a user experience can be a turnoff. And so that's something that I think organizations need to understand is that there are a lot of people who use assistive technologies, but then also just the user experience is not just about making content accessible, but it's making it usable for all people. And uh, I think that's really where it comes down to.
3: Yeah, and I think it's such a, uh, an important topic, especially becoming even more important, I would imagine, as, as we move so many things digitally and online, as we, we navigate this continuing pandemic and online shopping and all of those pieces and parts, I, I imagine that you and your team uh, you know, have, a, have a lot of work that you're being able to help organizations with. But I guess that's what uh, you know, our, our, our secret topic here always, which we make not so topic, is the team right teams and co and so maybe you could talk a little bit about how you and your team kind of a you know what is your team you know uh, you know how is your team comprised what kinds of projects do they work on but also like how does your team kind of prioritize projects and how do you work together to to kind of live into your mission
2: yeah i mean our mission when i first joined so abler is a spin off of an organization called lci lci is the largest employer of Americans who are blind. And they've primarily been an organization that's focused on uh, giving individuals who are blind uh, jobs in manufacturing. And the, the former president of LCI really wanted to create technology-based jobs, create that upper mobility for individuals that you know, you're not only limited to being working in a manufacturing facility, but you can actually get into these, these desirable jobs that people are all flocking to North Carolina for all these tech jobs. There's an there's a space for individuals who are blind in that space. And so that's what we really, the whole mission was how do we build a team of analysts who are blind and who can do this work? And so when we first built the team, uh, the first individual that I, I hired onto the team, her name was Vaughn. She had graduated from undergrad. She's totally blind, but for five years, she didn't get a job. And for five years, she was only doing unpaid internships. Here's somebody who's blind, who graduated college on time, something I didn't do, somebody who did that on time, completely blind and can't get a job. But in my mind, that's a problem solver, right? That's the kind of person everybody wants on their team. And so we built a team around her. And our initial team was five individuals, all of us who are blind or low vision. And so when we started doing accessibility testing, we're like, oh, let's go do this testing. It took us a year to learn how to do the actual testing in accordance with the web content accessibility guidelines. But what we realized was that our team, we were doing a presentation one time in front of 60 people and we showed them how we do the accessibility, this tedious process. And you know, we were so proud of ourselves. We did such a great job. And then somebody in the audience said, oh, what's that big pink banner on top of the screen? But. Our team was completely blind and low vision. We didn't see any pink banner. We're like, oh gosh, what's Mm. on? That was an accessibility issue that we just could not see. And so to us, we did all the accessibility check, but there was something that was visual that we weren't able to see. And so that's when we realized that we had to broaden and make our team more diverse by including people with sight, but we also made sure that we also included people with other disabilities and other experiences. Because not only we couldn't be a homogenous team of blind individuals, we needed to be more diverse. And that's what we're seeing in lots of teams, right? Teams have to be diverse because we needed those other perspectives. And now our team is made up of people with sight, people without sight. And as a group, they work. we work very closely together to go through digital content. And that way, we make sure that we don't miss any experience that anybody would be feeling. And so that's one of the things about our team. And what makes us unique is that our team is made up of varying experiences and we work together on a, a really collaborative manner to be able to give a holistic approach and a user experience for testing of people's digital content.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. We we often speak about kind of having diverse teams because you want to have different perspectives, right? Sometimes yep. Sometimes the, the, the kind of at the very like uh, simplest level, it's you don't think of some things if you don't think of some things, right? If you haven't experienced something it doesn't, you know, maybe, you know, occur to you or come top of mind. And so when we're talking to groups and their teams, like sharing your experiencing and sharing and having that diversity is super valuable because everybody can be learning at the same time as they're also sharing their expertise. So it's this constant kind of the team growing together. So, you know, as you're thinking about your team and, you know, it's January, so we're all thinking about kind of how do we, how do we prepare for the new year and how do we be our best in 2022 and, um, you know, as you're thinking about developing your team and you know really living into that diversity and helping people learn and helping people share their experience, how do you, how do you plan for that as a leader? How do you start to set up the the cadence of your team and the communication of your team that you that you can really get the most and the best experience for your team in in the coming year?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's very interesting because we actually I'd say over the last six months our team. Really started coming together, and our communication started improving and you know, and we're carrying that momentum into this year and so and one of the things that the biggest pieces was us actually jumping on these morning huddle calls and really you know talking about the work stuff, but also because we're all remote right now, just making sure that we are all just we understand what's going on in each other's lives that we can have that empathy and so one thing I often talk about is empathy. Yeah, uh, I mean proximity builds empathy.
3: Mm-hmm. And since
2: we can't have a physical proximity, right now we can have that that proximity on those daily huddle calls. And before I used to be a stickler, I'm like, hey, 15 minutes, we gotta get off, go get back, get to work. <laughs> and now it's like, hey, I'm the first one to we call mullet meetings. We get the business taken care of in the front <laughs> and then on the back end of the meeting we can have that personal time. So we have those mullet meetings and that's really changed the morale of the team. And I think as we look at this year, you know, those, I'm okay with more mullet meetings because that means our team is getting along together, that we're building that, um, that empathy for one another, even though we're not next to each other. And, and that's what we're, when we're really, you know, our most recent hires, we realize it doesn't matter what your background, or you may be from the best universities, you may have the best experience, big company names, but if you don't fit in that culture, who wants to participate in a MULIN meeting with us, then that's maybe not the right fit for us. And so that's really where we're now, you know, one of the things we've been joking about is we have been playing uh, every, our monthly meeting as a game, like two truths and a lie. And so mm-hmm. we were joking that in our interview process for new people on our team, we need to have them ask them. Give us two truths and a lie, and let us guess. And because that's the kind of people we want on our
0: team. <laughs> that's mm-hmm.
3: that's awesome and a really a really fun game um, to to play. Um, I'm always intrigued when people have like three things, and you're like, "Wow, I can't believe all three of those things!" Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, "I don't know how to guess." Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh.
2: exactly. And but I think that it's that kind of that kind of attitude, and, and gives you gives you also an insight to that person's creativity. Yeah, what are they thinking about that? Like, what is that? and uh you know and those are the type of individuals we want people who um are creative and people who uh who uh, are willing to have a good time because you know, we spend so much time together uh even though we're far we're remote eh, we still spend so much time together that you want to spend time with people you enjoy
3: now that's that is so true and uh you know I, I i hate to do this for all of our live listeners but uh as everybody i'm sure knows uh 2022 is a super busy year and it's always well, busy to start the year so Mike and I are kind of living uh, an, an agile approach today a little bit as we navigate <laughs> crazy schedules. And, and John, believe me, there's nothing I'd love more than to kind of stay on the line <laughs> and keep chit-chatting with you. But I'm going to turn it over to my my exceptional co-host and, and partner, Mike, and, and he's going to he's gonna finish the conversation with you. But I, I just really appreciate all of your time today. And uh, again, I, my apologies, but we're, Mike and I, are, we've made a commitment to try to be super real with leaders. And I I think that all leaders can understand that we all have busy schedules, right? And so, as we try to, you know, raise up important conversations, um, we, we definitely wanted to, you know, obviously chat with you today, John. And um, but I also am, I'm very sad to say that I, I do have to go to a different commitment.
2: <laughs> but thank you, Trace. I appreciate your time. And again, I get a new, diverse conversation. So I appreciate
3: it. So I'll leave you all to a great conversation. And, and John, look forward to catching up soon.
2: Thanks, Tracy. Cool. All right. We'll
1: see you in a bit, Tracy. Um, Well, for all of our listeners, you'll know that I... I uh, struggle holding my tongue. So that was really hard. I was really trying to give Tracy <laughs> time to have a, a great conversation with John. Um, hey, before we jump back into uh, more the the real part of this dialogue, um, just want to uh, do a shout out to our, our listeners, both our regular listeners who listen to us all the time. And maybe those of you who are listening because you guys are, are friends or followers of John, I uh, just want to encourage you if you're watching on YouTube to uh, like the video, um, hit us with a, a subscribe. And if you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, go ahead and uh give us a five star review, leave a comment, and and just like the podcast. It's so important to us and, and it really helps us out. So if you guys are, are listening out there, throw us a bone and and help us out. It really, really helps. Um so that I feel like John was sort of a a mullet conversation. That's uh something <laughs> That we try to get out. And I had never heard that term before, man. And I love it. The mullet conversation. That is that is fantastic. Um, yeah, John, it it's so cool having you on this podcast. Uh it's something that Tracy and I and, and Claire behind the scenes have been building out for for quite some time. But you and I have known each other for a while. Yeah. And I think the first time we met you know, it was early in my days uh, trying to figure out Keepsake Tales and you were generous enough to take some time and share your story with me. And I want to back up and and hear a little bit more about your story. And and what stuck out to me so much was when we first met, I was at a time when, you know, things were not easy at Keepsake Tales. We were really, we were resource constrained. We were trying to figure out how to grow the business with very limited resources and just persevere and and be tenacious and and understand what are the giftings that we have in our team and how can we use those to to move forward. And our conversation, I, I don't know if you knew it at the time, but I was so inspired just personally by a lot of the character traits that you demonstrated. And it was such a inspiring, motivating conversation. Saying, "Oh my gosh, like we we have to push forward. We can do so much more than you know the the outside world looking in thinks that we can." Um, so I, I just want to back up and, you know, sort of hear your your story and give you the opportunity to share, you know, sort of your background and and how you got inspired and, and passionate about the work that you're doing and all yeah. the barriers that you've had to overcome to to get there.
2: Yeah, no, I uh, appreciate it. Like, I mean, cause one of the things that, you know, when we met, you know, I, I think I, I talk about it you know, and you are a true connector and I think that you do these type of things that you connect people and and that was something really special to me as well. Specifically, because I think you were going through that time. We were just, I think, at that time, getting ready to launch Abler. Yeah. Uh, I think when we first met, and and so yeah, we were kind of uh, you know, and it was just really nice to meet you, Sharon Delaney McLeod, who made the kind yes. introduction to you and I. And but you know, my journey to Abler was a uh, had lots of ups and downs, and uh, and because you know, I originally I'm born and raised in Cary, North Carolina, and I started to lose my sight. Psych- during college, and as a and I was diagnosed with a degenerate eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa, and I was told I was going blind. And as a college student, it was just devastating. And my actions led to me failing out of college. And I was up at school in Virginia. I came back home to North Carolina, but I was ashamed and embarrassed to tell people that that I'm going blind, and I don't. You know, I I was scared to my friends, and and I was also embarrassed to tell people I failed out of college, and so. I found a loophole at NC State, started taking classes there, and eventually graduated. And I knew I had to get out of North Carolina because I was still driving, but it just wasn't safe for anyone on the road, me or you know others on the road. And so I decided to move out to Bangalore, India. Spent a couple of years there, but struggled you know, culturally as an American Indian person going to India. The work culture was just a lot different than what I was used to. And I decided to come back home to the U.S., moved to New York, and throughout this time, I'm still keeping my vision loss kind of close to my chest. And I was, you know, I found these different tools that were helping me to do my work. And but when I started looking at my friends around me, I was working for the City of New York. They were moving up in their law firms or, you know, going to grad school. And I just didn't see that same type of uh, career trajectory for myself. And um, I had the opportunity to reconnect with a uh, somebody I worked with in India. His name is Steve Clemens, and he. Wanted to build a cell phone tower company in Cameroon, and I jumped at the opportunity. And uh, I convinced him to to send me out there. And he knew I had some type of eye condition, but he took a chance and uh, I took a twenty thousand dollar investment. And we had immediate success. And our team built a team around me on the ground in Cameroon. And within fourteen months, we had generated twelve million dollars in revenue, two point four million in profit, and spread it across the continent. And uh, you know. At that point, I felt like, hey, I can go to grad school just like my friends in New York. And so I came back home to the U.S., did that. And uh, um, and um so when I was going to grad school, you know, afterwards, I was looking for jobs and I struggled. Because right now in grad school, it's like the first time in my life I was able to start being open about my vision loss with my mm-hmm. classmates. But I wasn't comfortable telling employers because I thought they'd see it as a liability. And when I reflect back on it, I realized that maybe I thought it was a liability. And maybe that's why I thought employees see as a liability. But I ended up landing on my feet with a uh, crowdfunding platform where we raise money for companies in emerging markets. And, um, but uh, you know, a few years after that startup, it, the company folded, and I was out of a job again. And this time, my wife and I had just built a house in D.C. We just had a baby, and, and the stress of it all just caused my sight to go even faster, and I could no longer see the computer screen, and I thought my career was over. And uh, that's when I heard about this software that was developed at a data science company called SAS. And they had designed this software to help people who are blind visualize graphs and charts using sounds. So like, and I thought that was pretty cool. But what was really cool was the guy who who designed it, his name was Ed Summers. And he had the same eye condition as me and lived in my hometown of Cary, North Carolina. The same place I thought no blind person could ever live. Here he was as an executive of a company, and I knew I had to get in touch with him because in 17 years, I had never met another blind person. And I was like, I got to meet this guy. And I tried for two months without any luck. And finally, um, my wife said, hey, if he can live in North Carolina, maybe we can too. So we found a house online and told my folks. They got so excited. And my dad immediately jumped in the car to go look at this house. And as he's driving, he's talking to us on the phone and he's uh, you know talking to us. And all of a sudden, he starts yelling at something. I'm like, what are you doing, dad? And he's like, oh, there's a blind guy on the road. Maybe it's a guy you're trying to get in touch with. I am like, oh, dad, please don't get blind people on the road. And he's like, all right, gets out of the car. <laughs> walks over to this poor guy and says, are you Ed Summers? And the guy says, uh, yes, I am. And my dad just puts a phone in this poor guy's ear and says, my son's trying to reach you. And so after apologizing to him profusely, he agreed to meet me. I came down and he, um, and he, you know, he, he showed me that my career wasn't over and he taught me that because of accessibility, I could still have the career that I always wanted. But he, but what I had to do was learn to learn as a blind person. And so I spent the next several months understanding what that meant. That meant using assistive technologies. So when I could no longer see the computer screen, all of a sudden I had to learn another way to access that. And that was learning how to use the screen reader. And you know, at the same time, I was looking for jobs. And I, he told me, he's like, be open about your vision loss. So and he's like, all these companies in the triangle have these diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Reach out to them. So I did. And not a single company responded to me. Hmm. And, and I realized that maybe I just don't check a box that they're trying to check off. And I realized, like, if I'm struggling to find a job with my education, my experience, and my privilege, what about other blind people? What are they going through? And typically at the time, I always were, and everywhere I go, typically I have some, some sunglasses near me. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to make sunglasses. And I had heard about Tom's Shoes, you know, like, you know, that company that yeah. buy a pair, give a pair to someone in need. And I liked that that idea, that social enterprise. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sunglasses. But instead of giving a pair of sunglasses to someone in need, I wanted to have them made by somebody who was blind. Because if I could give someone a job, I can give them hope, I can give them a life, I can give them this generational impact. And so- that's when Ed introduced me to the president of LCI and who knew that the largest employer, people were blind, uh, was located just seven miles from where I grew up and uh, I ended up joining the company to start this new technology business, which eventually became Able. So it's a long story to get there, but yeah. No, man, there's,
1: this, <laughs> there's so, I'm, I'm struggling because there's so many ways I think to take the next part of the conversation. I just want to highlight a couple uh, just character traits and personality traits um, that I think you exemplify, John, and and not something just as a, like you're a great person, because I mean, I think you are, but I think that it's really helpful for our listeners just to pull out a couple of things. So one is just uh, the humility that you speak with, I think is something I really, really admire and is something that I think all of us as leaders should emulate, right? None of us are uh, perfect. All of us have things that we look back and say oh man, I, 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 this didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to, but, but I can learn from it. And as you tell your story, John, there's just moments where I hear like, ah, oh, like if this had gone different or, or, you know, something like how much greater would it have been? But it's part of your story. And I love how you, how you own it too, is just like the obvious resilience and perseverance and grit and understanding how do you take your circumstance and, find a way to keep pressing forward and keep moving forward and ultimately finding your way into something that's not just a job or not just a career. You know, at one point you thought, man, my career's over. Now you don't just have a career, but you, you have something that truly is a calling and something that is, you are uniquely gifted and all of those experiences leading up to it, put you in a position to truly be a leader who understands the pain points so viscerally. And you've assembled this incredible team working to solve a very, very real, very, very important problem. Uh, so I, I just think that you know perseverance, grit, humility, confidence in yourself. You know, it's not it's not humility just you know unbounded humility, but it's it's humility that is combined with a, a confidence in you, rooted in your ability, rooted in you know your. Somebody who has seen and driven and created success. So I don't know. I, I just yeah. think there's a lot, a, yeah. a, a Man, lot there super, for our listeners to take away from.
2: That's super kind of you to say. And it's interesting. You know, there's a couple of words that kind of really stick out, you know, when you talk about the confidence and you talk about the grip, because the, the interesting thing of, you know, as I mentioned, when we we're talking to Tracy, is like six months ago, there was this shifting. There's a, there's a turning point in our company. Six months ago, like it was like July, like June, that time frame. I didn't know if our company was going to be around. There was a lot of just kind of um, negative energy, and we had this meeting, this, this internal meeting, and we got like, with my my leadership team, and we were like, I, I broke down, I started crying. I, was like, I don't even know if we're going to be here. Like, I think this is just okay. we're we're going to end here. And at that after that meeting, I had to make some very difficult decisions because. Our business just wasn't where it should be at that point. You know, we had it had only been nine months, but our you know investors were starting to get weary because where is the money? Mm-hmm. And so we had to let go of a couple of people. And once we did, it was interesting. Our team, we kind of came up like we were at this meeting and we said we have to just come up with core values because we don't like we had a two day meeting, nothing was being accomplished. So like let's just at least get core values. And we said we we actually the acronym is grit. You know, it was growth mindset, uh, res- I mean uh, relationships, initiative, and, and trust. And once we had that 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 grit for our team, our team really rallied around it. It's been amazing. Mm-hmm. And every week in our team meetings, we we talk about our, pro- our professional gratitude. Who on the team are we thankful for? What aspect, what what trait of our core values do they, you know, uh, exemplify? And so that's what we've been doing. And so I grit that that's why something is really just kind of in our team. It's now in our DNA of our team, which is amazing. The confidence piece, like it was interesting. When I joined LCI and that was tasked with creating this new business, the word confidence, you know, what happened was to me was like when I said I, I thought my career was over, I lost my confidence. I lost what had made me who I was. But when I joined LCI, I gained that confidence back. And when I started to do it was like I had never had um I've been around, exposed to other people who are blind. I only knew my own story. But when I started to meet a lot of other people, and when I interviewed people, they didn't have that confidence either. They had just Mm. been beaten down so much. And I realized that's what we have to build up. And so, you know, through my story, I'm actually in the process, we'll be uh, releasing my book this year. And it's called Don't Ask a Blind Guy for Directions, A 30,000 Mile Journey for Love, Confidence, and a Sense of Belonging. That word confidence was something that I needed to find. And I found it once I came to LCI and that's what I'm hoping to get to others.
1: Yeah. I think that's really powerful, John. And I think that there's, I, I love the term confident humility. And it's one that our listeners know that I, I speak about a lot. And and I think that there are, you know, if you have confidence, that's not rooted in a deep sense of abiding humility and understanding what yes. are my, what are my personal limits and where do I need to round myself out with other people who have strengths that I don't, yeah. uh, but but those two things together are so powerful. And I think that your story and just who you are as a person exemplifies that.
2: No, that's very kind of easy.
1: I'm also really excited to read your book. That would be really <laughs> cool. Um, I, I also I, – so I want to go back to sort of culturally, you know, who who Abler is and and what you all are, are working to build. And getting to that point where you said, hey, okay, we need to anchor ourselves onto – a number of of core values. What did that process look like? How how did you go through and and sort of understand like who are we and and break it down into grit?
2: Yeah. So we actually we use the EOS system. I don't know if you know the entrepreneurial operating system. I, I have the book right next to uh,
1: traction. Right ne- or- right next to me. Yes, I I <laughs> look at this multiple times a day. Yeah. So.
2: LCI actually used the EOS model. And so what we were trying to do, I think one of the biggest issues was we were trying to, LCI is this, you know, 86 year old manufacturing company, right? And here we are, is this upstart startup within that organization. And what we tried to do was take their core values and take their, you know, mission statement and we try to put it into ours, but that wasn't the case right we needed different core values we needed different our mission was different everything was different but we tried to like you know plug and play we thought it'd be fine just use that and so once we had that meeting as I talked about the two-day offsite, because of COVID we had it on-site in our in the in LCI's like big conference room and literally I mean our team was just falling apart and and as we looked at it We realize, you know, we what we started to think about the traits of individuals on our team. And I think we didn't do that intentionally. It just happened. But that's why now on a weekly basis, when we say, you know, which core value are we exemplifying, it's those individuals who are still on the team who exemplify that. And unfortunately, I I personally like the individuals we had to let go, but it just they did not have those. Core values, and so once we were able to do that, it is having hard decisions. It is you're letting go of people you genuinely, personally enjoy being around, but maybe they're just not part of the right team. And that was something that we had to really get to. And um, now when I look at our team, they're hungry. Everyone is just so excited. They're happy to be there, and that joy, that mullet meetings, that's what's there. And and it and when you're happy to come to work every day. There's nothing better.
1: Yeah. Jen, what advice would you give to leaders who are in organizations where they're not necessarily sure where, where to go? You know, I think you, uh, you were kind enough to share a very real and raw example of your organization saying, we started this thing for all the right reasons. There's so much goodness that comes out of it. A lot of excitement. And then you hit a point where you're like, man, are we even going to be here? What advice would you give to other leaders who are in that same position?
2: Yeah, you know, because we were mission driven. We know at the end of the day, our whole mission is how do we remove the barriers for people with disabilities, and I think that was our north star. Was that we were just, and again, sometimes you may get clouded. You're like, oh, we, you're so, you put the blinders on. You're like, that's all we're trying to do. But at the same time, that's when we said we actually had to take off the blinders and say, yes, that's our north star. But there is other things that we have to deal with, and once we we're able to deal with those other things it then allowed us to see more clearly, right? And and I didn't realize that's sometimes what Induja had to go through. It's like, yes, stay focused to your mission, but make sure that the path is clear. And so if you need to remove other barriers that are standing in your way or other obstacles that you can foresee for you to get there, break it down, right? Break down those tasks. What may be the issue for you to, you may have the best mission or best intent, but think about breaking it down to smaller bite-sized pieces. Take care of this step because it's that's what you need to be thinking about. It's like, maybe I have to take care of this before I can get to the next step. And so sometimes we start to think about the big picture, but sometimes you have to break it down into small bite-sized pieces. And once you get those wins, that's when you'll start to, you'll feel like, all right, we're on track.
1: Right. Right. And I think sometimes it takes that. I mean, it's just an unfortunate reality of the world <laughs> that we live in, right, is you get stronger through adversity. And I mean, it's so cliche, but I I've been there too. You know that I look back at the moments in my professional journey where I have just been utterly just broken. And like, I don't know how we can move forward past this. And it takes it's at moments like that where you sort of re-anchor on what's our core? What are we working to accomplish? What's our driving motivation? Look at, you know, inevitably something didn't go the way that you expected it to. So why didn't it work what's wrong and how do we fix it and i think in your case john identifying the the core values that are so important and aligning the organization around those values that's something Tracy and i do with leaders yeah. all the time is, is is help drive clarity around what is an organizational north star what should those values be and, and i'm amazed every time we have a conversation with a leader you know th- there's generally a A belief that there is clarity around organizational North Star, that there is clarity and everybody has internalized those values. And what we find is sometimes that's true, but more often it's not. And there's work that needs to be done to understand the perspectives of different individuals in the organization and and use those insights to help sort of reevaluate and say, hey, is our North Star correct? Is it well thought out? And I find that such an interesting journey to go through with organizational leaders. How have you, you know, as you were going through that process of forming your, your uh, core values as the organization, how are you able to leverage the experiences of the people on your team and, and just get additional data beyond just you as, as a leader?
2: Yeah, I think in the very beginning, going back to that six, seven months ago, one thing that we used to constantly hear from the team was, it's clear in your mind, John, but it's not clear for us. Sure. Right? And so too much of the time, I was spending my time as a leader kind of thinking, it's my job to create this roadmap. And like this is the goal, that we're going to get there. But it was really, now it's very much more of a collaborative team effort, effort towards this. And so now it's no longer what's clear in my head, it's clear what the team is doing. And so we shifted it from me driving to the team driving, and that that may work right now with us being a you know we're ten people team. But right now, that's what we needed to get past that that obstacle. And now my partner and I were now starting to think about what's next, what's the next steps, mm-hmm. what's the next thing we have to work on. But you know what we needed at that moment was to bring the team, get them involved in every aspect of of our, our direction, because that was how we needed buy in from everyone, because right. otherwise. It was just one person telling people versus now all people sharing in that. vision.
1: That yeah. Cool. Well, John, I know that we're wrapping up or we're getting close to time here and, and I don't want to leave without asking. Um, I, I've got a couple more questions. First yeah. is uh, going back from a team building perspective. And, you know, I think we all sort of hear the diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. talked about a lot and everybody sort of says, oh, yeah, I I agree with diversity and inclusion, but it's hard to implement. And I think, you know, oftentimes we think about D&I as, um, I don't know, like race or age. And, you know, you're really at the forefront of thinking about it in a different way and saying, like, for, for y'all, hey, we had a bunch of people who struggled with sight or low vision or blindness, and we needed diversity by bringing in people who can see, but maybe experience challenges in, in other parts of their lives. So they also have the perseverance and resilience and they know what it, it looks like to overcome some real obstacles. What advice would you give to leaders, employers, just whoever's listening to this podcast right now in terms of building a team that, that actually is well-rounded out, that actually does have, uh, that leverages the power that comes with more true and inclusive organizations?
2: Yeah. I mean, The first thing I'll start with is that there's a business case for diversity, equity, inclusion. Organizations that are more diverse and more inclusive will have higher returns. They will have greater innovation. They will be more successful. That's shown by the data that we see with more diverse organizations. But it's not something you can just snap your fingers and it's going to happen. You literally have to be intentional about it. Right. That's looking at your job descriptions are you putting things in your job descriptions that may limit people who don't look like you to get that job, Mm -hmm. right? So you need to start from that. Your funnel has to be open to be able to, you know, be able to attract more people. And that means going to different types of, you know, looking beyond your, maybe the universities that you typically hire from, or looking at different job boards that you want to hire from. You have to be intentional and making sure that your funnel and, and things are not, you, you don't have these unconscious biases that are restricting people from wanting to join. them. And I think once you're able to do that and be more intentional about it, and you know, that's where it comes and being, you know, humble about it. I mean, be, yeah, you know, going back to we, it, this is, everyone's learning. Everyone's still learning about this. It's like, mm-hmm. how can we be more inclusive? Leaders? How can we build a more diverse team? And it's like talking to people, being more open. And it goes back to that proximity builds empathy. Spending time with people who are different than you will help build them,
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's a really it's really true the The past couple of years have been so eye opening and in, in so many ways for um for so many people, and I think that the the emphasis on trying to build a more inclusive world is is it's just it's the right direction, and it's important to note to your point, John that we're all on a journey. And we're not going to get there alone. And we're, you know, I think we all have learning still, still to go. So, um, yeah, but John, it's so, so, so cool to have you on this podcast, man. Uh, before we close, we'd just love to, to encourage you to share, you know, if there's anything that you want to share about how our listeners can uh, get involved with Able, or maybe if we have people who are, uh, you know, business owners and say, and are sitting here wondering like, man, how do I make my website more inclusive? uh and, and accessible. Where can people find you? How do you encourage people to engage with you Enabler?
2: Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for this. Um yeah. no definitely, you know, check us out on wwwablr 360com Uh that's ablr360.com. And so even on social media are you know, it's at ABLR360. And my personal, I am quite active on LinkedIn. That's kind of where I I spend most of my, my kind of my share my my insights and my experiences on so please follow me on that that's uh and that John G. Samuel uh on that and uh you know again I mean I appreciate this because we really it is all about the awareness talking to people and I actually do an interview show on LinkedIn live every every couple of weeks and it really is sharing those stories because I think that's why I love that you and Tracy are allowing me to share my story because my hope is that my story will show businesses that you know it, it personalizes it humanizes accessibility accessibility now when you think about it is like oh could john come to my website and actually use my site could john come to my website and buy my products right that's what i want you to think about is now even if you don't know somebody who's blind or somebody who has a disability yeah you, know, you know me now and my story and i hope that story helps build you know gives you a little bit closer insight of what people are going through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, it is such a pleasure having you on again. Uh, I cannot wait to keep in touch with you, uh, in 2022 and for many, many years beyond that. Um, we will include for our listeners, uh, all those links that John talked about in the show notes. So be sure to uh, check out the show notes, wherever you're listening again, uh, like the podcast, subscribe, uh, hit us with a comment, five-star review, all those good things. And be sure to check out John. I, I've had <laughs> the privilege of, uh, you know, being friends with John and or connections with John on LinkedIn for quite some time and love all the content that, that you put out. It really is so uh, not only inspiring, but also just tactical and, you know, helpful. And, you know, I, I've found little nuggets here and there that, that I've been able to apply into my daily world. So um, really, really appreciate everything john and uh yeah we'll, we'll keep in touch with you and hope to bring you back on this podcast at some point here soon and do another check-in on what's happening with abler
2: for sure this is awesome thank you so much and thank tracy again
0: yeah will do mm-hmm. all right y'all you've been listening to building teams with teams and co to learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at linkedin Twitter and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice.